Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Nearly half the league stands at 1-1 one and one as Week 2 of the NFL provided some surprises, some comebacks, and some dreadful performances from some of the league's best. First, Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football, proves he may very well belong in the NFL. Second, Peyton Manning proves we never should have doubted him. Third, Carlos Hyde gets stuffed as John's Niners have quite the bad day at the office. Welcome to the 4th and 5 NFL podcast. I'm your snarky American host, Dylan Baker, with the much more, clearly more sad than I, journalist and analyst Jonathan Harding. Each week we take a look at all the happenings in the National Football League and bring you the highlights from around the country. On and off the pitch, we'll keep you informed and entertained. So, turn off your live TVs with the videos and people who are paid to do this sort of thing, and let's get started. Jonathan. How's it going? <laughs> I knew you had to mention it. I knew you had to mention it in the intro. <laughs> well, I didn't want to write on it too long. I wanted to try and pick out pick out the most surprising of the performances. So, I, I, like I say, we'll, we'll get into more of that a little bit. How's it going, man? Yeah, it's going good. Uh, week two. There's a great staff for week two. I think we should start with, apart from the ones that you mentioned there, which we, you know, we want to talk about certain teams. <laughs> cough, cough. Can you believe that the Colts, Ravens, Seahawks, Lions... Eagles, Giants, and Saints are 0 and 14. Isn't that absolutely ridiculous? I thought that was amazing when I read that. I was like, are you kidding me? I mean, great to see in terms of variety and stuff, but <laughs> in terms of predictions, just turn off the show when we get to that bit. Right, right. <laughs> uh, as we'll get into here a little bit later, uh, John and I were particularly poor. Uh, going into this week as far as the predictions go, but I hardly count that as our fault. Um, no, that's true. <laughs> all right, so let's go ahead and get started with some of these games here. Uh, the first one I want to start with is, as we mentioned before, the Denver Broncos and Peyton Manning getting a 31-24 to win over Kansas City. Um, and let's go ahead and start with Peyton from the off. Uh, he showed the same sorts of issues that we talked about 
in the preseason. You know, he doesn't have the best zip on the ball. His movement has increasingly slowed, but he still throws up 250 yards and three TDs. I, I got to ask, just like I did at the beginning of this pod, John, were we wrong to doubt him? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of thought that. <laughs> um, it's one of those like crazy things you always think you're making the right decision. You're saying like, you know, look, he's lost a bit of pace, a lot of it, lost a bit of zip. But someone like Manning is always going to adapt his game to make it work for him. And that's exactly what he did. I mean, there's no denying that he's lost a bit of pace on the ball. But I think the bit of the sentence that we forgot to add there was he can still be a very effective QB. And that much was clear in this game. Although we have to say it was kind of a weird finish, didn't you think? Like it, like in it effectively, the Chiefs handed them the game. Yeah, um, they did. What, they did. It was it was kind of shocking after such a good performance in Week One. There's a really poor decision set of decision making as well to say, oh, well, we thought we were going to be able to be aggressive and run the ball into field goal range, but actually, from where they were, it's kind of like, really, you thought you were going to make field goal range from right. there? I, I thought that was a bit optimistic, um, and the Broncos must have been laughing. I mean, the other thing is, if they don't make that decision, then maybe the game goes a little bit further. Maybe Peyton Manning isn't on the winning side at the end of the game, and maybe we do look a bit more sensible in the sense that we were saying, yeah, he's lost a bit of zip. Yeah, he did throw for whatever it was, three TDs, right? So, yeah, the stats are there, but if he hadn't won the game... Well, and we talk about misplaced optimism there. Uh, you know, the, the one, the one in particular bit of perhaps misplaced optimism on our parts, uh, was, was Kansas City. You know, it looked like there towards the end, there was some, there was some pretty poor decision making. Uh, you know, Alex Smith didn't have a bad game, but he didn't, he, you know, he didn't perform anywhere near to the level that he did in week one. And I just got to ask, you know, we talked about at some point in time, the Kansas City Chiefs were going to fall. Is that going to come sooner than what we thought, or was this just kind of a one-off, got beat by Peyton Manning, as many have in the past? I think they've got to be careful. Um, you know, they probably fancied themselves to beat Peyton Manning and the, in, and the Broncos as a whole, really, given the current setup. Uh, next week, I'm sure we'll talk about it later in the show, but they have to be careful about how they let this kind of defeat affect them, because ultimately, it is their fault. Um, I think that they're capable of digesting it and, and being ready to, to push on next week. I don't think we're looking at something that's going to be lasting, but it could be a bit of a problem. Am I right in thinking that they're on a bye next week, or are they playing, or is it too early for me to say? Yeah, no, they're playing. I don't believe the byes start until week four. Oh, okay, right. Oh, for some reason, that would have been the worst possible outcome. <laughs> right, right. Because um, then you're sitting there, yeah, okay, well, they're playing Green Bay next week, which is not exactly ideal but if that that will be a key game if they can if they get battered in that game then all signs will point towards having not got over a defeat that they effectively assisted yeah a bit of a slippery slope at that point uh talking again of slippery slippery slope excuse me too many s's um that's tricky to say yeah yeah. (laughs) uh but but speaking of which uh cj anderson still missing the target out of the backfield for denver um, you know, uh, there are going to be a couple of different running backs that we talk about that performed pretty well last year and that just, you know, don't seem to be up for it, uh, this year is, is you know, I, I guess sort of predict it now. Is CJ Anderson going to pull himself out of this rut or are Denver going to have to start looking at some other options? I think Denver will have to keep the, the variation up. I think 
even even though he wasn't necessarily on target in this game, as we said, Manning still threw for three TDs and two fifty yards. So you can't necessarily be too critical of a running back if that's your your stat set up in the air. You know, like you either have one or the other. It's very rare that you the QB will do that and then your running back will run for two and run over a hundred yards right. unless you're playing someone who's got a seriously porous defense like maybe Jacksonville or yeah, you know, it's not every day you get that. And you get, the Chiefs are pretty good. So I wouldn't say it's too much of a problem right now. They keep it varied. I don't think he's going to be as as good as he was last season. But I think that's partly because I think the Broncos are on a downward slope of of a peak that they were at. And now everybody's getting a little bit older, a little bit slower, and things are changing. So it's not just CJ's fault. Well, and we, you know, we keep coming back to Peyton and how he proved us wrong, but the real heroes of the day seem to be Denver's defense. You know, they end up recording five sacks. You know, they have several tackles for loss on Jamal Charles, who still put up decent numbers, but walked away with two fumbles lost. Uh, and they intercept Alex Smith twice. Uh, this is a great day at the office for, for, uh, uh, you know, for Denver at their home stadium. Um, you know, but at the same time, we, we have the same sort of question about, about aging and, and things like that. Um, you know, I, I guess my biggest thing here is, is this the level of performance that we should expect to see, uh, over the course of the next 14 games? Or again, was this a bit of a bad day at the office for Kansas City and Denver decided to show up? I think it's one of those. I think it is one of those. Um, the Chiefs, you have to say, Jamal Charles is, un- Charles is unlucky going into this in the fumble, but it's, it is a great play because I, I can't remember who it was, but I remember the tackle comes in and he instinctively punches the ball because he's aware of where it is. He, the D was pumped, you know, and they were up for it. Being at home makes a certain difference, but I would say it was certainly a case of Kansas making a number of mistakes that then led to poor confidence and then further poor decision making. And Denver were just well placed and on point. I'm not, I mean, they had a great day statistically, but I would say it was more of a Chiefs lost this game than Denver won it. Well, at any rate, I will say that it's hard to have four turnovers in a, you know, in the NFL these days and really walk yeah. away with a win. So. Kansas City better exactly. clean up on offense, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> yep. So let's move on to the next one. Uh, Houston Texans uh, at home against Carolina uh, in a game that I did indeed call. Um, you know, <laughs> a rare one, a rare one this week. <laughs> um, Carolina 24, Houston 17. Uh, now one thing I have to say for the Texans is that they have a big issue at running back, and it forced newly selected starter Ryan Mallett to throw almost 60 passes this game. How important is it for an inexperienced quarterback like Mallett to have a good, working, well-oiled machine in the backfield behind him? Uh, Pivotal, but so far as uh, I'm aware, uh, Texans coach Bill O'Brien has said that Foster won't play. Um, coming mm-hmm. into week three, um, I and I that. think it's to, yeah, I think it's to do with an injury, uh, obviously through the hamstring <laughs> injury. Um, but he, if he's out of week three, uh, then it will be interesting to see how they cope if he can recover in time for four and five because it's a fairly quick turnaround in the schedule because they, I think they have a Thursday night game in week five, so that means he's going to be. I don't know, under some serious pressure to come back quickly. But if you don't have Arian Foster in the backfield and you're just looking at Ryan Mallett, then as a Texans fan, you are seriously worried about your offense. 
it is pivotal for Ryan Mallett to have some experience in the backfield. And if he doesn't play next week, serious concerns. Because as we've already said, both you and I, it's not enough for Houston to say that their defense is going to win them games. Yeah, absolutely. Fair statement indeed. And it's one of those things where, you know, going forward, if indeed Arian Foster is back week four, you just need one game, one game out of one of these guys that are running in the backfield, um, you know, going into week three. And it, like you said, it is a, it is a quick turnaround indeed. There's got to be some sort of change in mentality. Um, but yeah, again, I, I question whether or not it's going to come. Um, you know, you got a fair performance by the Houston, by Houston on the defensive side of the ball, but is that, is that really tough against the, the sort of static offense that the Panthers have? Well, yes and no. I mean, they weren't that bad. It's, you know, I, th- I just thought Cam was the difference. Um, and we slated him last week, but he turns up. Maybe people just listen to the show, Dylan. What do you reckon? Like every time we slate someone, the next week they always perform. Maybe Peyton and Cam are like listening in and, just getting annoyed uh, at us. Absolutely. <laughs> that means that you and I need to become anti-Steelers and anti-Niners real fast. Seriously. <laughs> next thing you know, that's the Super Bowl. Now, I think we, we, we sort of talked about it and we said his throwing wasn't necessarily on point, but, you know, he flips himself to get into the end zone. He throws two TDs. I think in a game like this, that's ultimately the difference because the Texans D isn't, isn't exactly a quiet one um, and putting up 24 points they needed that to win the game it wasn't a case of a blowout but yeah tricky I, I'm pleased for Newton that he's back uh, in that sense that he was able to deliver but from a Texans perspective I would be very very worried if Ryan Mallet is even attempting 60 passes I mean that does tell you the, the situation without Aaron Foster you know that you're relying on someone who isn't really capable of completing half of those I don't think given the pressure well and you know I I agree with you in the sense that you know at the end of the day winning by seven is is what's needed for the Panthers you know to take away the win in this game but you know you gotta the other thing you've got to look at is you know Newton walks away with less than the 50 percent pass completion uh you know he does throw his two touchdowns he runs in in another in a you know this sort of like gallant almost flashy flip um, uh, but going forward for the Panthers, uh, you know, especially for this season, does Newton have to make a big push with his accuracy this year to assert any sort of dominance in this league? You'd like to think so, but if he can throw that and still win, then mm, maybe not. I mean, you have to remember that the NFC South is is in a slump really at the moment. Um, he's got to play. The Falcons, which will be probably the toughest task of the of his division. The Saints are absolutely ruined at the moment. And so far as what I've read, we can get into it later, but Drew Brees' shoulder isn't exactly 100%. And if that's the problem, then that's you can rule them out for the rest of the season. Um, Tampa have Jamie Swinston, who is hot and cold like a tap. So, I mean, from a Panthers perspective, maybe he doesn't need to throw more than 50% in the division to get out of the division. Do you see what I mean? Like, do you know what I mean? It's, it seems to me that the NFC South is one of those bizarre divisions where you can be fairly mediocre and still end up as a playoff team. I always have some sort of surprise that the Panthers are, are there. Let's not forget they're 2-0 and and who would have thought that would have been the case at the start of the season. Um, it's the same with the AFC South. I think both South divisions are 
hilariously mediocre. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you there. You know, it, as as far as the division itself goes, it's it's not going to be tough for the Panthers to find to find their way on you know either on top of it or at least in a playoff spot. But going into what looks to be you know after a two and zero start, you know what looks to be a playoff year for the Panthers. He's going to have to figure out something in the off season for sure, uh, you know, because these playoff teams that he'll end up going up against the NFC, especially, um, they're not going to they're not going to allow that sort of pass completion percentage. No, definitely not. And if he if he gets the longer the season goes on and the more competitive things get and the more that's on the line, he's going to have to up himself. You can't throw one in two. You just, I mean, sure. it's not going to be enough. He's going to have to start hitting targets regularly. And obviously without your boy Benjamin, that's going to be difficult. But he seems to be able to find an alternative method so far. It's just when it gets when it gets to the tough grind of the season, is it going to be enough? And I agree, he has to improve it, really. I don't think it's going to be enough. Well, instead of continuing to talking about Cam Newton, because who really likes doing that other than Panthers fans? Let's talk <laughs> about a fun one. Oh, do we have to? Yeah, do we? I figure we may as well go ahead and get it out of the way early. So I'll just go <sighs> ahead and say it straight out. Friendship on the line. Friendship <laughs> on the line. San Francisco 18, a late touchdown that might have made it 25, called back to Pittsburgh's 43. Now, I want to throw something at you here. New boy Carlos Hyde, upon the departure of Frank Gore, in the in in the, his first two weeks of full start, has put up 200 yards, which is fantastic. Um, only 43 against a Pittsburgh defense that had some questions going into the game, but seemed to have sorted themselves out. I'm going to go ahead and let you take this sort of sad nap here, this little sad rant, and and, and go along with this. What? on earth happened to, to, to San Francisco's defense? Uh, I think it was exposed. Um, I think all the concerns that we had going into the season were still legitimate. I think we had an excellent game plan against the Vikings in week one. I think that's the reason that we got the results that we did, uh, the result that we did. We had an excellent game plan for Adrian Peterson. We knew how to shut him down. We put Teddy Bridgewater under pressure. We unsettled him, and that's why it worked. I don't think we had an effective game plan for the Steelers. Um, we relied probably a little bit too much on Carlos Hyde. Kaepernick was under too much pressure. He never really got settled. We couldn't really get anything going. And on the offensive side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball, we didn't stop Ben at all. Um, oh, no, you did not, sir. But the bigger problem for me um we just look very inexperienced we look very naive and i think but part of the reason is that we are um on the other hand you have to say that we were up against in my opinion the premium receiver in the league um antonio brown sure. is insane in the membrane and he consistently performs at a level that makes everybody else look like mini camp players i mean seriously you have to have some sort of respect for that. As much as I can analyze the defense critically and say, oh, this was a problem and this was a problem, he was pretty good. Um, 
I didn't think our coverage was very good. I thought we left things exposed too often. It was fairly disappointing. And I think when you let a game get away from you that quickly, then it doesn't really matter how well you play later on because it was all but up. Even if we'd scored that late touchdown, yeah, it looks a little bit closer on the scoreboard, but anybody who watched that game knew that we were blown out of the water. Well, I always thought the, the Steelers' D was actually, it was more of a, a pass coverage issue rather than a rush issue because as it, as they showed, you know, Hyde was shut down completely. Didn't Mike Pouncey come back? I believe so. I believe he did. I mean, that's huge. You know, those kind of differences in that kind of leadership and makes a big, big difference. And they were up for it, you know. There was a lot of, I don't know, handbags is the wrong term in American football. There was a lot of aggression. But, you know, and they were they were ready for it and we weren't. You know? And it, it's a concerning sign for us if we get stuffed like this. But I think it's not a bad thing going forward. Jim Jim Tom Sula probably needed to lose a game like this to have a reevaluation on the players and the game plan and his mindset. He said everything was on him afterwards, which I thought was admirable. But well, that may very well go back to the whole preparation side of things. You know, it, you you come out and have a great game plan against Minnesota and effectively shut them down. Uh, but Big Ben, a- Antonio Brown, and D'Angelo Williams once again. Uh, just kind of yeah, let's not forget yeah, him. yeah. Just kind of come out and have their way, um, you know. I, and I guess that was the that was the biggest thing that was the biggest thing for me on the defensive side of the ball for the Steelers was that they put Kaepernick under the proper amount of pressure. And what struck me, and I'm not sure if you noticed this as well, but in Week One we kept talking about how it looked like he had really improved as a quarterback. He was moving mm. through his progressions really well, and then whenever the Steelers put him back under pressure, he reverts to this sort of you know, I can run the ball, I'm an athlete, I can run the ball sort of mentality. Um, is, is, is that, is that fearful for you? Is that something yeah, that you worry is, about? Yeah, it is. A, well, I also think it's a fearful thing for him. If good defensives put, good defensive players put him under pressure, then his fear reaction is to say, oh, okay, I'm under pressure now, I've got to run with the ball. Because he doesn't have the composure in his mind yet, it seems to say no. Let's persist with the game plan that we did in week one. You know, the Vikings D never really got close enough to him because he had a quick release the whole time. And that was the difference. But I feel like this is a problem for me going forward. I'm very, very worried because if defenses watch this tape, which they will, then they'll know or they'll feel that they can put him under pressure to go back to, as you say, very astutely, I'm an athlete. I can run. And if that happens more often, then it's a massive gamble because we need him to be the player he was in week one for the sake of the franchise. Right? We've invested a hundred million bucks in the guy. And if we only see the player that we saw this week, then every week's a lottery. If we see the player that he, that he was against Minnesota, then things can start to move forward. Well, and really move forward too, because uh, like I say, I know we, I know we just, I know we praised the bejesus out of him, uh, you know, I, I, in our week one review, um, you know, if he can keep up that sort of level of performance and if he can, if he can move through his progressions and watch his receivers, cause it's not like he didn't have people open. And again, you know, as you mentioned before, it was more of a, it was more of a pass defense sort of issue that, that was our, our main concern for the Steelers going forward. Um, you know, so it, it's not like, it's not like we covered them brilliantly. You know, we had a great game, don't get me wrong, but, uh, you know, if, if he can translate that sort of pressure into those, you know, toe on the line of scrimmage, 
throws yeah. that, you know, at the last minute get them 15 yards, I think that's going to make a huge difference going forward. Definitely. That's a confidence thing as well. He has to be able to believe in himself. And that's also going to be coming down to Jim and whether he can get him in the right mindset. There are a lot of factors that have to come together, whether Bolden can keep or continue to transfer that experience to his other wideouts and also to Cap and be like, look, you can always rely on me. You know, all of these things need to come together. But how we perform next week, I think, will ultimately decide decide what kind of season we're going to have, uh, whether it's going to be 8-8, eight and eight, whether it's going to be worse than that, or whether it's going to be a surprise push for the playoffs, which I really don't think will be the case. Um, that will all come down to how we recover from this. I think if we lose again or we don't play well again and Caps in the same situation, then it's going to be a long season for Niners fans. Agreed, agreed. And it'll be interesting to but see. But hey, I mean, as much as I'm sitting here lamenting and worried, you should you should be pretty happy, sir. Yeah, no, I you know I I feel good coming off of this game. It, you know, it, it it was this one that made me made me really come to terms with the fact that our offense is a well established system, and it's only going to get better with the return of Le'Veon Bell and Martavis Bryant. Um, you know, I, I I was elated to watch it. I was at work, so I had to you know miss bits and pieces of it. But it was always nice, you know, going and helping a customer, coming back and finding that we were beating you guys even worse than we were when I walked away. So <laughs> I, I, that was definitely a plus. Um, so moving on to these next couple, I will say that we don't have much to speak on uh, over the course of the next two or three. Uh, the first one I want to bring up is Tampa Bay twenty six over New Orleans nineteen. Hey, we just have something here. I know we don't have much to say, but. Jamie Winston, see, hey, not quite as bad. No, not quite, no, as, not quite bad. as bad as all at all. You know, the the one thing that I did notice is that while his completions go up and his touchdowns go up, uh, his throws don't particularly. You know, he he only throws for about twenty one, and we're going to talk about this with a couple of different quarterbacks. Uh, but twenty one throws for you know. For a guy like Ben Roethlisberger is teeny tiny. You know, usually a guy like that puts up thirty-five to forty. So it, yeah, but Ben Ben's got ring or rings, <laughs> hasn't he? So I mean, right, right. Well, and it seems like that there just might be at at, at sort of the onset of the Jameis Winston career, uh, maybe a little bit of lack of trust from Lovey Smith. Did you catch that kind of same thing going forward? Yeah, I think it's one of those, you know, you after having such a horrendous start, you're obviously going to be a little bit nervous about what you say and what you do and how you how you set up for week two. But maybe he's gone with the, okay, James, don't throw it as much. Just try and make more consistent, accurate throws on uh, with a fewer set of with a fewer set of throws. And I think that in this case, that's worked out. They've won the game. Makes more sense, you know, be more effective. Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Well, and, and he got a little bit of help on the ground. You know, Doug Martin puts up, you know, about 70, 75 yards, you know, got got, a, got some extra yards coming from the, you know, the, the backup running backs for, you know, a decent little day on the ground. And I think that made a big difference, too. Um, you know, uh, for the other side of things, Drew Brees, you know, again, not a terrible game, but walking away with, you know, somewhere around that 65% accuracy. You know, we used to talk about how he was consistent, uh, you know, in the 80s or, or, or the lower 90s. Uh, it seems like this is dropping off fast, and that could be because of the loss of Jimmy Graham. That could be because he's got some issues to sort out between Colston and Cooks. Uh, is, is this going to be a consistent problem for Breeze this season? Yes. I think he's going to struggle. The team is completely sapped in confidence. I'm not sure. Um, I'm half saying this, bearing in mind that whenever we say things like this, players then always come back and are awesome. So I'm sort of thinking of Saints fans in one respect, but <laughs> in another, 
in another, uh, I have to say, I'm kind of worried. Uh, there was talk of him suffering a serious shoulder injury after the game last week, but that has since been denied. He has had issues with it, but he expects to play. But in any case, teams will look to target that as as an area of weakness. I think it would be a problem for him if he gets targeted, but with accuracy dropping like that, I think he's just not being helped out necessarily. And they're own too, you know? Uh, in a division where you think that the Saints should be doing better, but they're obviously just dropping off. I think it was a a good win for Tampa. Let's not forget that they're not necessarily a team that get a lot of W's across the season. So, kudos. Indeed. Uh, and and that's really, you know, all, all there is to say on that one. A, a, a pretty short list uh, of notes for the next one as well. You know, Detroit at home loses again and drops to 0-2, uh, you know, scoring 16 points to Minnesota's 26. Uh, Bridgewater had the same sort of issues as far as, as far as, uh, throws attempted. I think he only had 18 in this game. After what? Again, I think it's more of an, uh, an accuracy thing. Uh, I think it's more of a case where we, we don't want these guys throwing 30, 40 passes. We, we want to balance uh, our offense on both the ground and the air and we want them to be more accurate. I think Bridgewater is probably the best QB coming out of last year's rookies, right? Oh, I mean, so why not make him more effective in the air? And again, with someone like Adrian Peterson coming out and bossing it like he did, then you can balance it either way. And you know, as we talked about and as you've you stated, Stafford throws 53 times right, and they lose the game. So what's the more effective play calling there, you know? Agreed, agreed. And, I, and I'll be the first to admit, you know, Adrian Peterson does come out and have a good game. He has, you know, about 140 yards himself while Detroit struggled for 40, uh, which I think was part of the reason that, that Stafford was, I would say, almost forced into 53 passes. But the way that I look at it with Winston and Bridgewater, uh, you know, as, as rookie quarterbacks is that, you know, if if the run game is there, then absolutely. You know, if, if you can take away a little bit from the passing game, still come away with a win, as both these teams did, then you don't have as much to worry about. The only thing that I have to think about going forward is what if Adrian Peterson doesn't show up? Or, or a more realistic sentence would be, uh, what if Doug Martin doesn't show up? You know, do do the does do the numbers of passes increase simply because the run game's not there, or or do they try and keep those numbers low uh, because they're rookie quarterbacks? I still think they try and keep them low. I mean, obviously, you want if you don't have a running game, there's a lot more pressure and they have to go in the air. But I still think you try and focus on accuracy rather than you know overthrowing it because that's when you start to make mistakes and that's when you uh, turn the ball over. And as you said earlier, you do that in this league. And you don't normally get your W's. Valid point. Valid point. And it'll be interesting to see what what happens if the backfield doesn't show up for either one of these teams going forward. You know, uh, what a guy like Bridgewater or Winston does. Do they try and take the game into their own hands? Uh, you know, it, it, I think a lot of the way that these rookie seasons uh, are going to progress is going to be determinant almost entirely on uh, on how much pressure that they can, you know, sort of take on the shoulder, so to speak. Yep. I mean, it will be potentially defining for their careers. And boy, was I wrong about the next one. I'm sorry, Mom. I'm sorry, Dad, Steve. I should have called the, the Arizona Cardinals so that Chicago would have won, as we found is the current trend. Uh, 48 to Chicago's 23. Ugh, and Jimmy Clausen was disgusting. 
I, I mean, this Jay Cutler loss, if it's potentially for any sort of run of games, did the Bears even stand a chance to win one with Jimmy Clausen taking the snaps? No. Uh, two weeks at least, Jay Cutler is out for, so much as, uh, as much as I understand. Um, so Bears fans can potentially look to start some other TV series, perhaps, in the next two weeks. Maybe there are a couple of movies that they could get out. <laughs> on a Saturday or a Sunday that maybe they should take up a little bit more enjoyment of their television time. Yeah, Jimmy Jimmy's, Jimmy Clausen is not the man that you want in the pocket. It's it's a big problem for them. Also, Jeffrey, I think he was inactive for the for the game, actually. Mm-hmm. So Again. you lose him if he doesn't come back. Then you have no Cutler, no Jeffrey. It's looking like a long, old week. Um I'm 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 standing by the fact that you know I, I'm always going to go against the the Bears in 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 this situation. <laughs> I don't really have much much faith faith in any um, Bears QB at the moment. Anything anything Bears really. Uh, if Matt Forte has an off day, then the Bears don't turn up on offense and defensively they were okay, I suppose. But you can't nearly. I mean, okay, what's okay? Fifty points nearly conceded. I mean that's that's pretty crumbly. Well, we talked last week that thirty six to uh you know to the Packers was was, you know, considered okay. So I guess this forty eight would be would be would be I guess on the below average side of things. Yeah, Whereas for most teams it would still, be terrible. Yeah, but forty eight against the Cardinals who are not who have got so great players, but it's they're not necessarily a high powered offense. No, absolutely not. And, and, you know, speaking of, you know, the offense, you called it, sir. Carson Palmer goes out and has a day. Yards are low. Touchdowns are high. Larry Fitzgerald with three touchdowns. I mean, I, and I guess this goes back to the, to the whole, which, which extreme is to, to be cliche, more extreme. It, it was, was the Bears defense that bad or did the Cardinals just show up that day? I think it was a bit of both. I hate to say that because sometimes it's, it sounds a bit flaky to say one of you know a bit of both, but I think it really was. Larry job was completely absent in week one, and then in week two he you know bangs up and he's all over the place, and everyone was like, "Wait, okay, yep, Larry still got it." Sorry for even doubting you, you know. And I've, I don't know. There's something about Carson Palmer, you know. He doesn't look like he should be that good, but he is always good, and he's one of those QBs with teams like Chicago probably look at Carson Palmer and think, "Damn." You know, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Seriously, and te- teams like that, you kind of think, oh, if only we'd maybe been a bit more sensible in our decision making, and we got a kind of a guy like this. Well, to be fair, um, though, when the Bears brought in Cutler it was to replace Rex Grossman, I think a lamp post would probably have put up better numbers than Rex Grossman at that point. <laughs> yeah, true. Okay, anything's an improvement from there, but I think it's one of those, you know, Cardinals. Two and zero. Yes, whatever they're having for breakfast on Saturday is working for them. So, <laughs> yeah, I'd be worried if I was a Bears fan. I really, really would. But we said that at the beginning in our preseason pods that it was going to be a long, a long season for them. I mean, Arizona, Arizona, one of these teams. I always feel like they've been massively underrated in our division. Um, I think they're much better than they get credit for. I would still say that I think the NFC West is. Potentially with the NFC East is probably the most competitive division in football. 
Um, Ooh, big call, big call. AFC yeah. North what? fan here. <laughs> yeah, um, really? Yeah, of I course. mean, I, just, I don't, I don't see the Browns as as much of a, as much of a only division challenge. Really, records um, last year. Just saying, just saying. Yeah, no, valid, valid. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's because I've always viewed the Bengals and the Browns as sort of meh teams, even though they've <laughs> <That's fair>. obviously. <laughs> They've come a long way, uh, to be fair. But I don't know. Cardinals, watch out, watch out. Well, to move on from you know uh, the what is the sadness of the Bears uh, to a little bit more exciting game uh, rather than a blowout. New England forty to Buffalo's thirty-two. John, you got this one wrong, but how very close were you to getting it right, really? I, you know what, scoreboard eight points. But in all honesty. Again, just don't listen to me when I predict games, <laughs> or or do and bet the other way. Um, well, you got to you got to look at this, Tom Brady. You know, it's it's the Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, without a four hundred and fifty yard performance, him. I mean, Buffalo wins this game. They do, yeah, but just don't bet against him. Who would do that? Obviously, we should have learned that from week one. <laughs> um, we were sort of saying this and that, and off season distractions, and he comes in and he. He ultimately is the difference against your boys, but I actually thought it was one of the really, like, really great game. And it, I think if I was a Bills fan, I'd be really, really encouraged because if you lose this game because of Tom Brady's performance, then you come away from it and you think, "Hey, we still put thirty-two points up on the Pats yeah, on a good against defense. a Bill Belichick team." Yeah, against a good defense against Bill Belichick, who let's not, you know, let's not be around the bush. The guy's been one of the most pivotal coaches ever. So, be I'd be very, very impressed. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor had, you know. Moments of greatness, moments of worrying actions and terrible decision making, but it's only inevitable for a guy who was a backup and now has been made number one and came off week one like Superman. He was going to come off week two a bit like mediocre man. So, well, I think he only had seven passes on the day. You know, uh, to be fair, three of those are interceptions. But you know, if you walk away with only missing seven out of forty, I mean, you you have a couple of guys that aren't there in the right spot. uh, You know, at a couple of different times, and I mean, you've got you've got a hell of a game. Yeah, I mean, seriously, any game that has seventy-two points is is exciting, especially when there's an even split. Um, we took Lejean McCoy was a bit better um, than than last week. Yeah, that uh, was that actually kind of nice to see. It was because it shows again that the Bills have that side of the offense available to them, you know. And I don't know. I think. If I was a Bills fan, I'd be extremely pumped about the season going forward. I think that there's more than enough reason to think, as as I said, although it seems a little bit bold, um, that they're going to be in it for in it for longer than most. I think they're going to be in it for longer than most teams. They're they're, they're high powered. They're aggressive. They go for the turnovers. Um, the interesting thing will be is what they're going to do if Tyrod Taylor goes down because. You know, they've obviously put EJ Manuel to number two. Mm-hmm. They've traded Matt Castle now to the Cowboys, which we'll talk about later. And they've signed Dustin Vaughn. Uh, so far as I uh, have my information correctly, who sounds like a real estate agent. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Dustin Vaughn. I'm here to sell you a 45000 Property, yeah, like seriously, like I'm not not pumped by that. But you know what? Let's not go down the negative side of things. The Bills 
I feel like they're two and oh. I know they're two and one, but um, one one. sorry, two and one, one and one. I feel like they're two and oh, but they are one and one. But in this division, which is you know, I would not want to be a Dolphins fan this year. Um, oh, we'll talk gonna, more about that a little bit later. <laughs> they've got to work. They've got to work seriously hard to get out of the division. But there's no reason to think after that performance against that team that they can't. Well, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you know, uh, the other big shout that I have to say before we move on is that albeit a lot of the a lot of the spotlight for you know uh, this particular game is going to go on Brady, is going to go on Tyrod Taylor. You also got to give a big shout out to the Patriots D. Albeit they albeit they did let up. You know, quite a few yards, both on the ground and through the air. They came up where they needed to, made sure that they intercepted the passes whenever it was available to them. Um, you know, and and they walk away with an eight-point win. Got to give some respect to that. I think Tom Brady's always going to make the headlines, but at the end of the day, it's a W, and that's what stands at the end of the season. People will dissect and remember certain things, and yet it was an eight-point game, and that was close, but, but, but doesn't matter whether it's eight points three points or 25 points at the end of the day if they get the w then that's the most important thing and from a patriots perspective that's the way they look at games okay we have the win we're on to the next one you know that's what bill's all about um from a bill's perspective it's a slightly different dissection of the game but Pats are happy. 2-0. Indeed, indeed. All right, moving on to a bit of the AFC North, a la Cincinnati Bengals, who walk away with an away win. Uh, Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Out of San Diego, 24 to 19. Uh, we get hot Dalton instead of cold Dalton this time. Shows vast improvement in his decision making, but only further highlights his sort of on-off tendencies. Uh, what did you think of Dalton's performance at the weekend? Yeah, it was much, much improved. Um, he's just difficult though, you know, as we said, he's either really, really good or really, really bad. And I think Bengals fans have obviously grown you know, to be aware of that fact, but they wouldn't mind a little bit more of a middle ground, you know, it's either first gear or sixth gear. And it would be nice to have a little bit of a, a, a sort of an autopilot at some point, 
But right, right. Just I, average your two touchdowns a game and walk away and see what the rest of the team does, right? Yeah, rather than rather than throwing maybe five and putting up three fifty or throwing three picks and you lose the game by twenty five points. You know yeah, somewhere in between would be nice. But um hey, beating the Chargers I think they'll be happy with that. We we talked about San Diego being an improved team with so many weapons on offense mm-hmm. last last week. They didn't even get it done this week. So yeah, I think that's going to be a big ask for a lot of teams going into the remaining remainder of remainder of this season. Uh, you know, and and the biggest thing for me not only was Dalton, but was the fact that Giovanni Bernard, who over the course of the past two years has systematically lost his starting spot, you know, fills in for Jeremy Hill after he loses two fumbles and pisses off the uh, pisses off the head coach and, you know, uh, puts <laughs> up 130 yards on the ground. I mean, heck of a performance by him on the other side of the ball with the rushing side of things. Uh, you know, last week it was Danny Woodhead. Melvin Gordon puts up 85 yards. Uh, you know, all around, not necessarily as high scoring as the New England game, but overall an exciting game. Definitely an exciting game, yeah. I mean, there were lots of options to be excited by this weekend, but um, any game that sort of comes down to the wire and basically one throw uh, effectively deciding the game, then always going to be one to watch. All right, another oddball game, and what we thought was going to be the crap game of the week actually ended up turning into a good one. Uh, you know, Cleveland goes down to Tennessee, and they take away a win 28-14, to and Manziel, as we stated at the beginning of the pod, Looks like a quarterback that might be willing to stay in the NFL, uh, unlike, you know, a certain Tim Tebow. Uh, you know, he makes some big plays there at the end and gets admittedly a heck of a performance out of Travis Benjamin, you know, who catches two touchdowns and also returns one off of a punt. Um, you know, uh, but, I mean, uh, the question's got to be asked. You go from week one to week two, which Manziel are we going to see for the remainder of the season? Travis Benjamin, yeah, Travis Benjamin was amazing. His pace was incredible. Well, you say that about Manziel, but from what I've read in the Browns uh, and out of their camp is that McCowan has cleared percussion, concussion thing. Uh, is, he's clear to play, and he will start oh, uh, versus really? Oakland, um, which is really interesting. From what I've read, they said something like, the Browns have said something like, he um, is, Manziel is, there we go, Mike. Mike Pettine on Manziel. We now feel we have a backup who can come in and move the team and win games for us. He added, wow. "Josh McCowan gives us, Josh McCowan gives us the best opportunity to win." Big, big words from the head coach there. Wow. Seriously, I mean, how long? Are you, I think the way you look at this situation is Manziel was this guy, this punk who came in. He thought he was the bee's knees. He had all this. You know, signs and, you know, money rubbing nonsense and all this, you know, whatever he was doing, click my fingers. It's just annoying, right? And he's obviously had a, a rough start, um, but he's gone away. He's cleaned up. He's sorted himself out and he's come back and he's obviously improved. Now, are you really going to keep someone like that on the wire and say like, okay, you're on the line now. You're in between because you're effectively asking him to be even more patient. It doesn't sound like a patient guy. Um, how long are you going to do that? And, well, and how you know, badly does that affect his confidence? You know, he goes out yeah, and he, yeah, he you, wins exactly. a game. You know, he puts up two touchdowns by himself, and then you say, "Yeah, back on the bench for you, bud." Yeah, exactly. You know, you how, that's not exactly promoting the best sense of confidence. Um, uh, Josh McCowan must be loving life, but I would 
be concerned about this becoming a team issue the further the or the longer the season goes on. I mean, yep, they got the W here against Tennessee. And I have to say, you know, as much as Jamie's wasn't good in week one, he was better in week two. Mariota was okay here, but he was, you know, he was amazing in week one. But there were some songs that we shouldn't get too excited too soon. And he was, he still is, just a rookie QB. Indeed. You know, no big four-touchdown performance from Mariota, but... You know, at the very least, this time, you know, this time the backfield actually helps out. You know, I think they ended up rushing for about 150 between the, you know, between the various running backs that were used, McCluster being the, you know, the premier guy on the day. Um, uh, but, you know, uh, last week you get no help from the backfield and, or you get a little bit from Bishop Sankey. But, you know, for the most part, it comes down to with that win, four touchdowns from Mariota. This time, you know, he gets a little bit better consistent performance out of his backfield and then, isn't really able to put it away, you know, and, and nobody puts up bad numbers in, on, on either side, uh, you know, with Tennessee and Cleveland. But Tennessee just, you know, uh, couldn't quite manage it on third down. Uh, uh, how much different is this going to have to be for Mariota? You know, uh, when you throw for 175 yards and you get four touchdowns, you got to sit there and think, okay, they got put in great field position. And he made sure that, you know, the throws that he made were on target. But, you know, if it comes down to, a, you know, an 80, a 60-yard drive uh, and he's not able to put it away, uh, is if that's the case, is Tennessee doomed to another, you know, first five draft pick kind of season? Sort of, yeah, because you can't not convert on third down. I mean, as a Niners fan, I know that all too well. You can play <laughs> really, really well. Well, honestly, how many times last season or even, you know, the season before that, did we have a great drive and we would get into the red zone and it would be three and not seven? You know, those kind of decisions ultimately decide games. Um, and Mariota can be great, but if you can't finish off drives or you can't finish off and get third downs consistently, then, yeah, you're not going to win games because you're going to have to surrender the ball. So third down, if that becomes a permanent problem, then, yeah. I would be worried. Definitely, definitely. And again, you know, uh, Mariota sort of, instead of cold then hot, he goes hot then sort of lukewarm. His, his week three is going to be, I think, very defining for the, you know, uh, for the remaining 14 games of this season. So uh, moving on to the next one, uh, you know, Atlanta goes out and puts up 24 against the Giants, and ultimately that gets them the win. Uh, you know, and gets me, gets me, gets me the correct gets prediction. You the correct really. prediction, indeed. One of one of a couple. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the rush yards nice. are low, but the touchdowns are high. You know, I think as a team, Atlanta only rushed for about ninety yards, but Coleman and Freeman combined for a touchdown apiece. Uh, and Julio Jones, even though he doesn't quite make it to the end zone, you know, has another big game with big yards. Uh, this Atlanta team's pretty fearsome at the moment. Seriously, I'd be. I'd be worried. Um, but they're in a perfect division. You know, NFC South, Panthers, Bucks, and Saints. There's no reason the Falcons can't absolutely dominate there. Um, again, though, the Giants, their decision-making, I mean, didn't they just hand it to them? I mean, I, I didn't see all of the game, but if I remember it correctly, they had no timeouts, and Manning decides to throw it on third down. Uh, no, was it run? They did something that he did aided something in, stupid. One of many yeah. things. I mean, how many insert this comment <laughs> into a weekly roundup? I mean, again, like 
fourth quarter situation and Peyton Peyton Manning, cool, slip of the tongue. Uh Eli Manning just what and this is after the guy's been paid and you know, everybody's like, Oh and the Giants uh, if it wasn't I mean they're Owen two. If they were a little bit more mentally strong and they had made some sensible decisions, then you know, it would be fine, but I think they're in massive trouble. Not that they were anywhere near anything else, really. I mean, when you look at that team, it's just poor decision-making all the time, and you have to come back to the coach at some point. Yeah, well, and again, you know, a guy like Tom Coughlin, I know we discussed it in the preseason, you know, sometimes you just got to ask yourself when it's time to go, and it, it yeah. may be time to go for Coughlin here pretty soon. I can't help but feel that that's the case. Now, I want to fly through these last couple because we've got some stuff that I want to take care of at the end. Um, so uh, let's go ahead and, uh, and go over a few of these. Washington 24 over St. Louis 10. Uh, big call missed by Jonathan last week, thinking that St. Louis was going to come out and dominate. Is this the surprise yep. of the week with Foles having an inaccurate game? Yeah, I mean, I think that and also the Rams D not being particularly good, uh, or at least not as good as they were against the Seahawks. Just like, why do you take all that adrenaline and that pumped upness out of that game? <laughs> right. And then you, you put up, you let the Redskins score 24. Although I would say Alfred Morris, as much as Kirk Cousins was good, Alfred Morris had a very, very good day as well. So, um, I'm still surprised by the result, but it's typical Rams. One week good, one week bad, so. Indeed. I think the best that they're probably going to be able to swing is about an eight and eight. Uh, you know, uh, there's no real outstanding performances, uh, from anyone other than Foles' lack of a a complete lack of an outstanding performance. Um, you know, it it, it was a big ask for him. You know, the, the the Redskins defense is not strong. Uh, you know, and he showed that the, the, the Rams offense could be brilliant at times. Um, huge that he doesn't come up on this one. Uh, is Foles another hot and cold quarterback that we, you know, are going to be kind of waffling with the, for the rest of the season? Yes. In a word? Yes. I, I think we kind of knew that even, even when he was at Philadelphia. Uh, so we talked about that one being potentially surprise of the week, but maybe this one was the surprise of the week. Jacksonville 23 over Miami's 20. Uh, a completely unstellar game from everyone except for Allen Robinson. Uh, wide receiver for Jacksonville walks away with 155 yards and two touchdowns. You know, looking at these two quarterbacks, Bortles throws 18 for 33, Tannehill's 30 for 44. Uh, there's not much on the rushing side of the ball. Is there much to talk about other than, holy crap, Jacksonville won? No, that's pretty much the most important thing. Although, coming back to what we were saying earlier, Dolphins losing that game, I wouldn't want to be a Dolphins fan. You're in the AFC East, the Jets are pumped, the Pats have got Brady, the Bills look better than they ever have. You can't, if you're a Dolphins fan, really afford to lose against Jacksonville. Um, just pleased for, for Jacksonville, really. They, you know... Blake Bortles is looking more confident. He didn't necessarily have his best day. Alan Robinson was insane. I'm just pleased they got the W, but it is a surprise. Yes, indeed. Well, and again, you know, even reaching farther into it, you know, the backfield on both sides, you know, there's no real rushing game, no real fantastic passing game, you know, receiving side, you've got Robinson, and that's about it. Uh, you know, a, a, a bit of a sneak win by Jacksonville, as I said last week, could be, you know, one win in one, could be one in win in four. It's going to be a small number either way, uh, but this is indeed, surprisingly, the, the first of whatever sum total that ends up being. 
Uh, or is this one the surprise of the week? Oakland 37 over Baltimore 33. We've just run through three ridiculous score lines, John. Oh, what in, on earth happened with this game? Seriously, this was, this was a crazy game. Um, but I think it's been a combination of what we've been talking about, you know? Derek Carr getting better. Raiders having more weapons on offense. Michael Crabtree makes a play. Cough, cough. Unbelievable. Um, Amari Cooper. <laughs> Amari Cooper is as good as we said he was going to be again. Um, and Derek Carr wins it with, you know, what was it? 26 seconds left. Uh, I yeah, mean, right around there. huge. And the, they're playing the Ravens for goodness sake. You know, it's not just some team. I think um, the Ravens are still without a, a win. The Raiders are, have scored 37 points against the Ravens who are, who are a team who love to be aggressive on defense. This was a huge, huge surprise. I mean, I think if we we said it in the preseason, if the if the Raiders can come out of this season looking more like eight and eight rather than you know two and fourteen, uh, then they should be pleased. And they got a lot of reasons to think that this is the season of consolidation. Next season with some smart picks and maybe some good free agency work that they can push on. But huge result. Well, and again, you know, a lot of it comes down to, you know, Derek Carr puts the, puts the game on his back and then he, he rides it all the way down to the end. Um, you know, the one little bit of news roundup that I want to do this week is his older brother, David, uh, actually did a, an interview with, uh, 95.7 radio station out on the West Coast. And in that interview, he openly admits that his younger brother is more than likely going to have a better NFL career because he's a better quarterback. Now, older brothers usually don't admit that sort of thing. My younger brother, Stephen, knows that that is exactly the way that things go. Um, but I find it interesting uh, because David Carr, I was reading an article recently about the 50 worst franchise quarterbacks uh, for each and every one of the 32 NFL teams. And while the Houston Texans have had a very short NFL career, the worst quarterback on that on that list was David Carr. So I'm sitting here thinking, you know, it might not be that hard to be better than you, David. Really, it's it, it's not pushing the it's not pushing the agenda too hard. That's nice. That's nice. No, I think in a comparison sense, that's probably not too difficult. But from a Raiders perspective. They must be pleased that they finally got a QB in the pocket that they can be happy with. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Just a couple more games here to go. Uh, Dallas in a correctly predicted win, uh, over the Eagles 20 to 10. Uh, biggest takeaway from this game is Romo out. Let's discuss how big of an impact is that going to be for Dallas? Huge. Um, everybody said they were, you know, what was it? He said he, um, Jerry Jones is like, I'm, I'm, I'm so sad, you know, I'm, I'm crying. It's just it broken my heart. Um, it is going to be a problem. For, I actually thought Brandon Whedon came on and was pretty good. Um, he closed the game out. Uh, but obviously they don't see him as the, or they see him as the, the future, I suppose. But Matt Castle's been drafted in because if they hadn't had him and Whedon had gone out, then, you know, Dem- was it McFadden mm-hmm. would have been the QB or something hilarious. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a huge loss for them. You know, anybody with that kind of experience and understanding of the line, understanding of the offense is, is going to be a loss. The big thing is if Brown and Whedon can hold it together just long enough, for however long he's out, what is it? Eight to 10. Six, four, six, four to six, or I something. Think it's four to six. Yeah, I mean, if they can hold 
hold him out, uh, hold things together while he's out, then yeah, they can still have a good season. But it's well, someone was it Adam Adam Schefter tweeted the other day. How important is Tony Roman to Dallas since his first career start in two thousand six? The Cowboys are seventy seven and forty eight when he plays, and they're six and nine when he doesn't. I mean, so, big numbers there, big numbers there. And I'll be at Wheaton's not, not bad. I mean, you're looking at a Dallas team that uh, a lot of Dallas fans were excited about, and now all of a sudden in week two you're missing your marquee quarterback, Tony Romo, and your marquee receiver, Des Bryant. Don't get me wrong, they did close out this game. Um, but at the same time, you've got Sam Bradford with two wasteful picks and DeMarco Murray with a grand total of two yards on the day. I think at one Seriously. point he had negative 15 uh, the last question Seriously. I want to ask uh, about this game is this this Chip Kelly sort of mad genius plan that we that we talked about in the preseason. Owen two start for the Eagles is this sort of you know a Mad Hatter idea of his ever going to come to some sort of culmination? Uh, it's going to have to happen fairly quickly because the Cowboys are going to run away with the NFC East otherwise, and everybody said this was going to be really really close, um, and it's just not. Uh, he's going to have to turn things around. And you can't have someone like DeMarco Murray coming off the season he had and having a minus 15 at some point in this game. Like, what? Yeah, um, They need to sort things out. They need to sort things out very, very quickly. Very, very quickly. All right, last two. Seattle 17, Green Bay 27. We both got yeah. that one right. Since that was sort of a joint Sorry. pick. <laughs> uh, Russell Wilson manages two touchdowns, but... He's a bit wasteful with the ball, even with Big Jimmy to throw to now. He only threw him to him once. I think he was only threw him to him once. One one eleven yard pass. That was yeah, it? And it's Jimmy Graham we're talking about. Don't get me wrong. Seriously, he's got some good receivers on that team, but I mean, you, you got to give the guy more looks than that. Seriously. Well, and you know, couple that with the fact that Marshawn Lynch is once again stuffed. I think of the hundred and thirty rush yards the Seahawks had, ninety went to Russell Wilson. Or excuse me, seventy-eight went to Russell Wilson, and about fifty wow. went to Marshawn Lynch. So you know, another bad start. Um, you know, this this Seahawks offense is not firing right now. How important is it that they get it back together? They have to. They massively have to. I mean, they don't. I mean, feel free for them to carry on for as long <laughs> as possible for the sake of our division. But uh, no, they they have to if if they want to get things right. Although the big news is that this week, I'm sure you see, you saw, and I'm sure everybody who's, who's listening, everybody, all six people in the living room, um, <laughs> they would have seen they would have seen that Cam Chancellor has said he is back and he will play. Um, they had a, a press conference. He and Pete Carroll um, up in Seattle, and I don't know whether there has been a new deal. I, you know, there's there's suggestions that there hasn't been a deal that he's just come back because it's a football decision. Um, either way, it strikes me as one of those decisions that the Seahawks have, have made because they're really worried about the, the, the direction in which their season is headed and they need him back. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they came out and blew out whoever they have next week. So you know, having Cam Chancellor back is always a big plus. But it's also the offensive side of the ball that needs to improve. Maybe for once, their lack of wideouts is being exposed. Well, and their defense is still admittedly standout. You know, on the offensive side of the ball, you're really only looking at about 15 points uh, from Green Bay. You know, Mason Crosby has to walk away with the with the MVP of this game. You know, with four out of four yeah. field goals hit. Uh, you know, without those points, Green Bay doesn't win this game, which tells me that even without Cam Chancellor, Seattle's defense is still a defense to be feared. 
Um, and so long as they can get the offensive side of the ball back, you know, uh, firing on all cylinders again, this is still this is still a tough team. It is, and I think that's probably the the reason why we. That's why I'm sort of thinking that the chancellor thing is more of a. Oh well, we need something positive. We need some spin. We need to get the vibes back. You know, mm-hmm. it's more of a desperate. How can we make things look better next week? Let's get Cam back in, even though we're not. We're worried about the situation. Are we going to find him? What's the deal with the contract? Absolutely. And the last one of the day, you you look at. Is this the big surprise of week two? New York Jets twenty over Indianapolis seven. In Andrew Luck with. Three interceptions. Luck has yeah, no luck. This was a five terrible game. Uh, this Colts team is 0-2 right now. Uh, I, I don't even know where to start. What needs to be fixed first? Uh, I think you've got to fix the offensive side of the ball. Um, Andrew Luck is... I mean, maybe it's just because uh, he's been listening to everybody. Um, <laughs> like saying this is going to be his year. I, To be honest with you... Let's not take away from the fact, I mean, we'll talk about the Jets in a minute, but Frank Gore, that fumble is so unlike him. Um, you know, he's about to run into the end zone for six and he just drops the ball, but it kind of epitomizes everything that's going on in, in, in Indianapolis at the moment. Um, the city, they have to get Gore fumble. That's a. Uh... That's a that's, that's a harsh it. treatment. <laughs> that's, that's a harsh treatment, but it's also the reality. Um, yeah, I, they have to get things right, and maybe I think the rest of the NFL are a bit surprised. To be honest, I don't think people are uh, were expecting this kind of no, stuff. Even them. analysts seem to be completely unprepared for it. It's almost you know, even looking at our notes right now, I think we've got a grand total of about twenty words to talk about this game. It's almost it's Seriously, almost to the point of speechlessness. Yeah, it is. And who said, who, well, basically, the best way to put it is who thought that the AFC South leaders after week two would be the Tennessee Titans? Right, of all teams. Seriously, crazy. All right, and that's good for our reviews. Again, a little bit late this week, but we had some scheduling conflicts. This man right here was enjoying the wonderful city of Madrid, uh, for which <laughs> I cannot fault him at all. We can delay a pod for that anytime he wants to invite me with. Just give me a holler, and I'll quit my job. <laughs> Next time. Next time. <laughs> All right. So, again, we are already over time, but that's not surprising because we're two talking sons of guns. Um, I, I want to go ahead and move on to the next section because I still think it's important. Uh, let's talk about previews for next week. Um, I, I'll go ahead and start this one. Uh, I, I want to start with Jacksonville and New England simply because it's an easy one. Yes, Jacksonville is coming off of a win. Yes, Jacksonville is at home. But there is no way on earth that they are coming out with with anything other than a dreadful loss New England win. Agreed. Uh, Redskins Giants a little bit more difficult having said that uh, it's the Thursday night game so they'll be playing pretty pretty soon in I have read today that Rogers Cromartery and Victor Cruz are both out of this game for the Giants yeah, that's big so I'm going to go with the Redskins because I mean I always go against the Giants if possible anyway <laughs> um, but I think bearing those two things in mind you lose an, a defensive leader and an offensive leader more pressure on Ojo, Odo Beckham more pressure on Eli Manning, and we know how good he is under pressure. Um, Redskins win. 
Uh, let's see. A big AFC North matchup between Cincinnati Bengals and Baltimore Ravens. This one's a bit of a tough one to call. Baltimore's had a poor start. Cincinnati's had a mess start. We know the hot and cold tendencies of Andy Dalton, but we also know that Joe Flacco doesn't necessarily start seasons off right. Considering the fact that they just allowed 33 points to Oakland not f- three or four days ago, I'm going to have to go with 37. 37, 37 wasn't it? They scored 33. My bad. Um, I'm going to have to go Cincinnati on this one. I think Andy Dalton, I don't think he's going to have a hot game, but I think he might show off a little bit of his lukewarm. I think the defenses both have a big day, low-scoring Cincinnati win. Like it. Good details. Uh, Chiefs, Packers. Well, this is pretty much uh, straightforward, um, but I think it will be close Closer than suggested. I think, as we were saying, Chiefs have to define their sort of season, what it's going to be. But if you lose by a touchdown by one score against the Packers, then you can be pretty positive going forward. Packers have the best NFL QB, so, yeah, Packers win. In what I believe to be the crap game of the week, Oakland take on Cleveland. That should just be super exciting. But apparently, (laughs) if Josh McCown is starting, I will say that I... I don't care what anybody says about Josh McCown. He's, I don't think he's better than Johnny Manziel. I think he has more experience than Johnny Manziel, and I am by no means a Manziel favoritist. So I, I think if they actually go through with their claim and McCown starts, then I'm going to have to go with an Oakland win. Derek Carr ends up having a big game uh, this week. I think he's got a big game next week. Um, and maybe we see something a little bit better from Latavius Murray. So, again, I say Oakland. Nice, nice. Uh, Broncos-Lions. Tricky, you know, after going against Peyton last time out. Lions, well, we talked about it in the, sh- in the show we've finished, but also in the week before, you know, they've had a fairly disappointing start. 0-2, narrowly, narrowly losing to the Chargers, and then last week basically just getting well beaten by the Vikings in the divisional game. It's it's quite tough, but I think I would be a fool to go against Peyton twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, showed me up once, so I'm going to go with the Broncos win against the Lions. And we're looking at a Philadelphia team that's hosting the New York Jets. Now, again, Ooh. the Jets are having a good start. I cannot force myself to call the Jets here. At some point in time, the beard is not going to be strong enough. And I th- yeah, but didn't I read today that they have ten turnovers already this season, and they had an all-time low of thirteen last year or something. I mean, you're going to go against a team that's turning the ball on average five times a game. You know, oddly, oh, yes. Oh, oh, oddly, okay. yes. For whatever reason, Sam Bradford. He's not a two-interception-style quarterback. I, I refuse to believe that. And at some point in time, DeMarco Murray is going to stop screwing me, both in fantasy and in my predictions, uh, and actually put up <laughs> a fair game. I don't think it's going to be a big win, but I am going to have to go Philadelphia on this one. Well, they probably need it. Bears, Seahawks. Oh, this would be difficult. Seahawks by lots. <laughs> by lots. <laughs> oh, me. Well, it seems that everybody's been putting up big points on Chicago, so that's not a terribly tough call. Um, oddly enough, this might be another candidate for crap game of the week. Indianapolis Colts host to the Tennessee Titans. You know, a sort of Ooh. hot, cold performance with Tennessee. Uh, you know, uh, Indianapolis having a terrible start. <sighs> this is the third week in a row I've called Indianapolis. 
and I'm going to make sure that I keep up that trend. At some point in time, Indianapolis puts it together. Uh, hey, if they lose this game. If they lose this game, everybody is getting fired. I'm talking about players. I'm <laughs> talking about general managers. The whole lot of them. They're just going to quit for Fans. the season, accept their first <laughs> draft pick, and be done with it. So, But, yes, in, a, in I guess what shouldn't be a surprising call, but ultimately ends up being potentially a surprising call, I'm going to have to go Indy. Fair enough, fair enough. Everybody's on the line. Um, Bills, Dolphins, you know what? Divisional rivalry, yes, but the way the Dolphins have been playing, you can only really go with the Bills. Uh, exciting, attacking, aggressive, Bills by two scores. And I think Pittsburgh's going to improve their record to two and one. You know, again, I think St. Louis is a better team than You're what they've... Your team. Yeah, I am. It's a scary thought. I should be going against them, but... I, you know, I, I think it would be ludicrous to call the Rams over the, over the Steelers in this one. You know, especially for yep. what they showed in their last game, uh, and, you know, only able to put up 10 points themselves. I don't think the Rams will be up for it. Uh, and again, they're coming to Heinz Field. I'm going to have to go with the Pittsburgh win. Fair enough. Well, to break tradition, uh, well, no, sorry, to keep with tradition, to, but to break your, your routine. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Cardinals to beat the Niners. Uh, my mm. Niners are definitely not going to come up uh, well against the Cardinals side that are 2 and 0 in the groove. Carson Palmer, Larry Fitzgerald, defense is wor- working well. Um, if they hustle cap like they have done it in recent seasons, it'll be a long night for us. So Cardinals will beat the 49ers. And Breeze is not going to help himself. The, the 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 Saints are not going to help themselves in this one. If Breeze is out, I think they they lose. And it's going to be by a small margin. If Breeze is in, or excuse me, if Breeze is out, they're going to lose by a bunch. If Breeze is in, I still think that they're going to lose just by a small margin. Uh, you know, again, uh, Cam Newton isn't anything really impressive at the moment, but the Carolina defense is. And I think that's going to be enough to stop them. I think you're right. Uh, Chargers, Vikings, Oof, a little bit more difficult. I think based on the way the Vikings have been playing, though, I think I'm going to lean towards the Vikings. Chargers have been a bit hot and cold. Um, Vikings, you could argue, were the same against us and then better this week, but I would probably lean towards the double punch of Bridgewater and Peterson over Rivers and Woodhead. Tough to call. Very close, but I think the Vikings will edge it. And in my last call, which I think might be the toughest of my lot, uh, Atlanta takes on Dallas. Uh, you know, again, Tony Romo's out. Brandon Wheaton's not bad. But they're also missing Tough. Des Bryant. I'm going to go Atlanta on this one. They showed that Julio Jones is wow. ready to step up uh, and, and accept that big contract. They're seeing a little bit more production on the point side of things out of their backfield. And Matt Ryan's Matt Ryan. Brandon Whedon is not quite Matt Ryan, and the receiving court is it, it, it's hampered right now. I'm going to say Dallas accepts their first loss to Atlanta. I like it. Uh, my final call is Bucks against the Texans. Texans are 0-2, haven't impressed. D hasn't necessarily done enough. Offense has been terrible. We've talked about it enough. Bucks have Jamie Swinston, and he was better this week, and they got a W against the Saints when we weren't expecting them to. But I'm actually going to go Texans win here. Um, oh, I know really? I am, um, mainly because 
I think the Bucks defense is still very mediocre. And I think that bearing that in mind, the Texans have the much, much better D. If they can get to Winston, they can hustle, they can turn the ball over, and I think they're going to get the W that they need to kickstart their season. So, yeah, Texans over Bucks. All right, ladies and gents, all six of you in our living room, that is the end of the preseason. Uh, no pros and cons this week. Uh, we didn't have time to sort one out, but uh, we are going to do something a little bit different that should be fun. If we end up having more time over the course of the season, we'll keep on doing it. I want to do. I want to play another game. Instead of pros and cons, let's do predict the record. So, John, I'm going to pose these to you. I will offer no insight. And to be honest with you, I don't want you to offer any insight either. I want you to call these numbers, and I want everybody that's listening, all six of them, to think about those numbers and come up with some form of a rationalization as to why those numbers were come. So I just want, I want to hear a record, and then that's it. So think long and hard, and I'm going to throw these teams at you real quick, all right? Okay. All right, predict the record for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, oh, they're going to be better than they were in recent seasons. No explanation. Uh, Easy numbers. Six and ten. Six and ten. All right. New England Patriots. Oh. Thirteen and three. All right. Uh, this should be a fun one. Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, something to... No. Uh, <laughs> based on the start... Nine and seven. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Controversy. And last but not least, Seattle Seahawks. What are they now? Uh, oh, one two. Uh, oh and two. Oh well, let's go. Oh and six. No, <laughs> um, I think you know, storm back. Um, Twelve and four. 12 and 4. All right, folks, there are your numbers. Stu on- You're going to call me with those, aren't you? You're going to hold me. <laughs> oh, I'm going to hold you to them. I've already got them written down in our notes. And anybody that's listening, if you have something to agree with, if you have something to disagree with, feel free to send him something. His Twitter handle is at John Bloggs with two Gs. It is. And 66 oh, and at the 66 end. Oh, 66 at the end. Whew. Killing me. I haven't tweeted you enough, my friend. <laughs> yeah, get in touch if you uh, if you're an outraged Jacksonville fan <laughs> and thinks that my prediction for a what would I say uh, six and ten? Uh, that sounding so optimistic, <laughs> isn't it? Oh god! Don't, don't yeah, shoot okay. yourself on the foot with these Jacksonville fans anymore, son. <laughs> Seriously, I think they're going to be over the moon. That's another five wins. They haven't seen five wins in years. <laughs> All right, and the last part of the podcast that I want to do, just like always, we are hosted by the wonderful Anfield Index Production Company, uh, or at least that's what the the Overlord slash Podfather Gags Tandon would like it to be. So um, <laughs> what we want to do is we want to bridge the gap between soccer fans 
and American football fans. You know, if, if, if this is your first time listening to an NFL pod and you want to know more about the sport, or if you're sort of a casual fan that wants to get a little bit more ingrained, what we like to do is we like to take a couple of teams each week and compare them to some of the, some Premier League teams, Bundesliga teams. We may delve into the La Liga or League Un, uh, at some point, uh, depending on how adventurous we feel. But we like to make a couple of comparisons between the NFL and soccer teams. So that, uh, you know, everybody can kind of be on the same page. And, you know, if you're a fan of one of these teams, then, you know, uh, a team that might be good to, to, to take a look at. So, John, I believe I started last week. Who have you got for us this week? Well, we talked about it just before the start of the show, but, um, based on their social start of the league season, it would be rude not to really mention Bruce Dorman in connection with an NFL team. Um, and the most logical decision there seems to be the Green Bay Packers. Um, there's a little bit of yellow in there, but it's less about the colours and more about the fans. Uh, both clubs are really, the focus is on the fans. They're both owned by their fans. It's a, a real focus on making sure that they're at the heart of every decision and everything that goes forward, which is pretty rare in modern sport these days. Obviously, the comparison would have been a lot easier had Jurgen Klopp stayed in terms of Aaron Rodgers being the kind of guy who does hilarious stuff in the off-season and then produces when it comes down to it. Jurgen Klopp being also a kind of goofy kind of character. I think that now that Klopp isn't there, what you've got is a comparison between a very fastidious, hard-working coach in Thomas Tuchel and the same could be said of Aaron Rodgers. He obviously does his homework. He's very hard-working. He makes the throws. He makes sure it comes down to the tiny little details that he's aware of. So there's the comparison between the playmaker, there's a comparison between the fans and the focus, Green Bay Packers, Bristol Dortmund. If you're a Bristol Dortmund fan, you should be a Green Bay Packers fan and vice versa. And my team for this week is going to be much more grim, much darker comparison. The team that I wanted to take a look at was the Jacksonville Jaguars. And as I, as I sat down about 45 seconds before the pod started and I thought to myself, you know, what team do I know that's as bad and has been historically as bad as the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then it came to me in a, in a, in sort of the heat of the moment as I was sitting outside, you know, uh, really just trying to think about, uh, you know, how this podcast was going to go. And it has to be Sunderland. It has to be Sunderland. <laughs> and, and really the main comparison here is that both teams suck, you know, and, and, and normally we try and bring a couple of different points to the table, but the consistent sucking of both teams is is exactly what brings this together. So if you have the unfortunate experience of being either a Jacksonville fan or a Sunderland fan, if you would like to increase your woes by supporting a team that is very, very similar, these are the two teams that I think are probably the, I would say almost the closest matched of the ones we've done so far, just because they're both that bad. Yeah, that's probably not a bad show. <laughs> All right, folks, this has been the 4th and 5 NFL podcast. First, I'm sure you've heard either John sniffling or my coughing. We're both two sick fellows right now. Thanks for sticking with me. Second, this is week two, and we've got a great season looking forward. And third, we've got some big games to take a look at next weekend. Some real breaking points, I think, for a lot of different teams. Uh, you know, looking into the remainder of the, you know, 17-week season here. Again, I'm Dylan Baker. I'm Jonathan Hyde. And that's the game. That's the game? No way! That's the game! It's terrible. Horrible, <gasps> terrible.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm. 